This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. This is episode number 22, entitled Wisdom Christology in Colossians. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. Thanks again so much for joining us today. My name is Dustin Smith. I am your host. In our previous three episodes, we began to examine a particular strand of Christology that modern scholars call wisdom Christology, which is the understanding about Christ that describes him in terms of God's wisdom. We trace the origins of wisdom Christology to the biblical book of Proverbs, where God's wisdom, that is, his wise interaction with and instruction to his creation, was personified as a female figure. This way of portraying God's wisdom that pervades his world was adopted by later Jewish writers, particularly the author of Sirach, writing in the year 180 BC, Philo Judaeus, writing in the first half of the first century AD, and the Apostle Paul. Furthermore, we noted that each of these writers, in their own ways, depicted Lady Wisdom as embodied into actual human beings. For Proverbs, Lady Wisdom became embodied into excellent and ideal wives who put Wisdom's teachings into practice in their everyday lives. For Sirach, Lady Wisdom was embodied into the historical high priest named Simon, son of Onias. Philo, likewise portrayed God's wisdom, which he described as a mother figure, as none other than Sarah, the wife of Abraham. We then began to examine the New Testament evidence to see if the New Testament authors were also influenced by this manner of depicting lady wisdom as embodied into actual human beings. And we discovered that the Apostle Paul, within the document of 1 Corinthians, described Jesus Christ as the fullest epitome of God's wisdom, in light of his death, resurrection, and exaltation as the Lord of the world. In fact, Paul was able to describe Jesus in terms of the rock that followed the Israelites in the Old Testament in what was admitted to be a typological illustration. For Paul, to describe things that Lady Wisdom formerly did in light of her newest and fullest embodiment due to Christ's death, resurrection and exaltation was a typological description of Christ's supreme importance rather than a suggestion that Jesus consciously pre-existed his birth as an actual rock. Paul was just participating in an ongoing discourse of how God's wisdom interacts with God's creation, just as Proverbs displayed, followed by Sirach and then by Philo. In other words, for all of these writers to depict human beings as the embodiment of Lady Wisdom was not to suggest that those human beings literally pre-existed their birth as Wisdom, since Lady Wisdom was a personification and not an actual person alongside God. Today we will look at the Letter to the Colossians, a document written towards the end of Paul's career, but certainly written after 1 Corinthians. In this letter, we can continue to see Paul describing Jesus Christ in light of his death, resurrection, and exaltation in terms of God's wisdom. This can be observed in eight points of connection in the hymn about Christ in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. Afterwards, we will look throughout the letter to the Colossians to see more casual references to Jesus as the sum of God's wise teachings and wisdom instructions. 
So let's begin by looking at the hymn about Christ in Colossians 1, 15-20. This passage reads, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, were the things on earth or things in heaven. That's Colossians 1, verses 15 through 20. And in this passage, I'm going to argue that Christ is depicted as taking over the role of wisdom. I mentioned that in this particular hymn, Christ is described in terms of wisdom in eight distinguishable points. And we're going to look at each of those eight points by looking at what Christ is described as being and doing within this hymn, and going back and looking at the points in which Lady Wisdom was formally described as doing these very things. In doing so, we're going to see that this hymn describes that Wisdom's former activity is now to be seen in light of Jesus' exaltation. So let's begin in verse 15, where it says that he is the image of the invisible God, and it's this word image this word econ in Greek, which was formerly said about, guess what, Lady Wisdom. In this passage, written in the book Wisdom of Solomon, written in the year 40 AD, this was said of Lady Wisdom. For she is a reflection of eternal light, a spotless mirror of the working of God, and an image, there it is, of his goodness. That's in Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 7 and verse 26. And so Wisdom was formerly said to be the image of the invisible God, and now Christ is the image of the invisible God, clearly being the now fullest epitome and embodiment of Lady Wisdom. But this was also said in the writings of Philo, where he quotes Genesis 2.8 and says, And God planted a paradise in Eden towards the sun rising, and placed there the human whom he had formed. And by using many words for it, Moses has already made it manifest that the sublime and heavenly wisdom is of many names, for he calls it beginning and, here it is, image and vision of God. That's in Philo's writing, Allegorical Interpretation, Book 1, Paragraph 43. So both in Wisdom of Solomon and in Philo, Lady Wisdom is described as God's image. And here we see in Colossians 1.15, it is actually Jesus, who is now the image of the invisible God. So Jesus is now the fullest embodiment of wisdom, who was formerly described as God's image. At the end of verse 15, Colossians says that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. Now there is an ambiguity in the word firstborn, in the Greek word prototokos, which could mean firstborn in time, or it could mean first in rank. And we could see both of these usages used within the Hebrew Bible and within the Septuagint. But it's likely here that Paul is drawing on both of their meanings without actually pointing the reader in one particular direction. 
But let's look, because this is one of the points that Lady Wisdom was formally said to be the firstborn of God's creation. And by God's creation, I think Paul means here the initial creation, the first creation, as opposed to the new creation. In fact, when Paul wants to describe the new creation, he will describe it as specifically that, as the new creation. We can see this in 2 Corinthians 5.17 and also in Galatians 6.15 where he actually describes the creation as the new creation. Let's look at these passages where Lady Wisdom is described as the first created of God's creation. Starting in Proverbs chapter 8 where it says, The Lord possessed me, possessed Lady Wisdom, at the beginning of his way, before his works of old, from everlasting I was established. From the beginning, from the earliest times of the earth, when there was no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. That's Proverbs 8, verses 22 through 25, to where three particular times, Lady Wisdom speaks as a personification that she was established. She was brought forth. She was born. So very clearly, before God did all of his creation, Lady Wisdom was brought forth. Thereby, she is the firstborn of all creation. Philo also picks this up in his book called Questions on Genesis, book 4, paragraph 97. And he says, And who is to be considered the daughter of God but wisdom, who is the firstborn mother of all things? So Philo says the same thing that we have observed in Proverbs chapter 8. Philo also says this in his book called On Drunkenness, paragraph 31, where he says, quote, Wisdom is represented as speaking of herself after this manner, quote, God obtained me first of all his works and founded me before the ages, thereby quoting from Proverbs 8 and verse 22. Philo continues and says, True, for it was necessary that all that came to birth of creation should be younger than the mother and nurse of all. So there we have three places to where Lady Wisdom is described as the firstborn of God's creation, and now we're seeing that Jesus, who is now the fullest epitome and embodiment of wisdom, is also called the firstborn of all creation. This, by the way, I don't believe is a argument for some sort of pre-existence of Jesus. It's that the things that were formerly said about wisdom can now be said of Christ because Christ, as the crucified, risen, and exalted Lord of the world, is now the fullest embodiment and epitome of wisdom. Wisdom can now be found in Jesus Christ. Moving on to Colossians 1.16, where it says, For in him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. Here, by the way, it's important to note that the creation actually took place by God, but they were made in him. All things were created in him, but the divine passive there indicates that the creator was none other than God. This passage is not saying that wisdom or Christ was the actual creator. It was saying that God created through wisdom. And we can see this aspect of God creating through his wisdom in a number of passages, both biblical and extra biblical. In Psalm 104, verse 24, it says, O Lord, how many are your works? In wisdom you have made them all. So there very clearly, the Lord made them all in his wisdom. So God is the creator, but he does it through the vehicle of his wisdom, which is just a poetic and metaphorical way of saying that God has created his creation wisely and ordered. This can also be picked up in Proverbs 3 and verse 19, where it says, The Lord in wisdom founded the earth, 
by understanding, he established the heavens. There again, the Lord is the creator, and he does it through the vehicle and agent of his wisdom. By the way, this passage also makes it clear that wisdom is not a conscious person alongside God by describing it in Hebrew parallelism as God's understanding. So God's wisdom is the same as his understanding. We can also pick this up in the book Wisdom of Solomon, again, written in the year 40 A.D., Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 9, verses 1 through 2, says, O God of my ancestors and Lord of mercy, who has made all things by your word and by your wisdom, you have formed humankind. So there, God again is the creator, and he creates all things with his word and with his wisdom. By this time, creating through God's word and creating through his wisdom were understood as synonymous categories. So there, Colossians 1.16, where it says, In him all things were created, was formerly said again about Lady Wisdom. God created through wisdom. But now, since Lady Wisdom is now found and observed in the risen and exalted Jesus, these things can now be said of Jesus without implying that Jesus preexisted his birth as Lady Wisdom, since Lady Wisdom was not an actual female figure. It was a personification of God's wise interaction and teaching to his creation. The passage in Colossians 1.16 goes on and says, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, these are all the things that are visible and invisible. These things uh, probably are the things that are depicted in heaven, but this is a description of all the things that through wisdom God created. But this is another point of connection to Lady Wisdom. In the book Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 6 and verse 21, it says, therefore, if you delight in thrones and scepters, O monarchs over the people, honor wisdom so that you may reign forever. Notice here that wisdom is to be honored as the ultimate figure over those who have thrones and scepters and those who are kings over the people in order that they may rule and reign forever. So all of these things are made through wisdom. Of course, the end of Colossians 1.16 says that all have been created, again, by God, but through wisdom, through him and for him. What this does within the Colossian hymn is that it moves from the original creation to the redeemed creation, above which Jesus, as the exalted Lord, now stands. All things are created through God's wisdom, which is now to be seen in Jesus, and they're ultimately created for Jesus. Colossians 1.17 says that he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This passage where it says that he is before all things uses a Greek phrase, propanton, which in all of the other occurrences within the New Testament, and there are only two others, in James 5.12 and 1 Peter 4.8, the phrase before all things is actually an argument for preeminence. It means above all else. It means most importantly rather than a phrase of before implying priority in time. So it's just an interesting point there that every occurrence of this phrase before all things within scripture means above all in importance rather than preexistence. But we can see that the aspect of all things being held together by Jesus was formerly said of Lady Wisdom. This is another point of connection. Sirach chapter 1 and verse 4 says that wisdom was created before all things. And we can also see in a Wisdom, chapter 1, verses 6 through 7, where it says, Wisdom is a kindly spirit, but will not free blasphemers from the guilt of their words, because God is witness of their innermost feelings, and a true observer of their hearts, and a hearer of their tongues, 
because the Spirit of the Lord has filled the world, and that which holds all things together knows what is said. There in that passage, Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 6 through 7. Wisdom is described as a kindly spirit that holds all things together. Just as we're seeing in Colossians 1.17, that now wisdom embodied in Jesus holds all things together. Wisdom of Solomon goes on in the 7th chapter, verse 24, and says that wisdom is more mobile than any motion. Because of her pureness, she pervades and penetrates all things. So wisdom pervades and penetrates all things. And now Christ, the fullest embodiment of wisdom, holds all things together in Colossians 1.17. Colossians 1.18 says, He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. And this reference here to being the beginning, we've already noted earlier that Lady Wisdom was called by Philo the beginning and the image and the vision of God in his book, Allegorical Interpretation, Book 1, Paragraph 43. So this is another connection with Lady Wisdom, which is now being said of the exalted Christ Jesus. Colossians 1.19 says, For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. Here we're seeing that there is a fullness that is now dwelling in Christ. Of course, the argument thus far has been that Lady Wisdom is now embodied into Christ Jesus. And so we can see that wisdom previously, as another connecting point in our argument, was described as something that could embody as God's fullness. Wisdom chapter 1 and verse 4 says that because wisdom will not enter a deceitful soul or dwell in a body enslaved to sin. Actually using the same verb here, katikeo, that was used in Colossians 1.19. Wisdom here is not going to enter into a deceitful person, nor dwell in a body enslaved to sin. The point being that wisdom could actually dwell and embody into a good soul or into a person who is not enslaved to sin. We're seeing in Colossians 1.19 that wisdom is now fully dwelling into Christ. The next point is in verse 20 of Colossians chapter 1, which says, And through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. So we're seeing here that Christ has made peace, but formally we can see that one of the primary goals of Lady Wisdom was to point people to peace. We can see this in the biblical book of Proverbs, chapter 3 and verse 17, which talks about the personified Lady Wisdom, saying that, her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are, guess what? Peace. That's Proverbs 3 and verse 17. We can also see this in Sirach, chapter 1 and verse 18, which says, The fear of the Lord is wisdom's crown, making peace and perfect health to flourish. So Lady Wisdom is described as leading people to peace and is actually described as making peace, both in Proverbs and in Sirach. What we're seeing now in the Colossian hymn in 1 verse 20, is that Christ, the fullest embodiment of wisdom, has made that very peace through the blood of his cross. Notice again, the argument is that Jesus, because of his crucifixion, resurrection, and exaltation, is now to be the fullest embodiment and epitome of what was formerly said of Lady Wisdom. So there are eight particular points of connection within the Colossian hymn 
of chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, that connect Jesus to what was formerly said in a variety of different authors about Lady Wisdom, demonstrating what many scholars have argued is a major hymn embodying wisdom Christology. Now transitioning to something else, having looked at the hymn about Christ in detail, we can now turn to the more casual comments made in Colossians regarding Jesus Christ as the sum of God's wise teachings and instructions. Let's look at this passage in Colossians 1, verses 9 through 10, which says, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. That's Colossians 1, verses 9 through 10, to where Paul prays that the Colossians would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, specifically because they are filled with the knowledge of his will in spiritual wisdom. So if the Colossians are filled with spiritual wisdom, then they are able to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Notice there the connection between God's wisdom as a way of interacting with God's creation, specifically in walking like the Lord Jesus. This continues in Colossians 1 verse 28, where it says, We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. Again, that's Colossians 1 verse 28, to where Paul and his party are teaching every person in all wisdom with the exact point of presenting people complete in Christ. So, if people are taught with God's wisdom, then they are complete and blameless in Christ. Notice the connection there again with the teaching of wisdom and Christ himself. This continues in Colossians 2, verses 1 through 3, which says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea and for all those who have not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself, in whom are hidden all of the treasures of, guess what, wisdom, and knowledge. So here very clearly in Colossians 2, 1 through 3, Christ is the one in whom is hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom. Again, Christ is the embodiment of God's wisdom and knowledge. It's very clear in a very casual conversation. Later in Colossians three sixteen, Paul says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another. There again in Colossians 3.16, with all wisdom, we are to let the message about Christ, that's the gospel that Jesus taught, dwell within the community of believers. And so they will, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, be demonstrating what comes out of Christ's gospel. And lastly, in Colossians 4, we can see that Paul says, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been in prison, that I may make clear in the way I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. 
That's Colossians 4, verses 3 through 5, where Paul prays that the mystery of Christ, which is the proclamation of the gospel, might be made clear to those to whom he speaks. He asks the Colossians to pray that this is able to be accomplished. And in doing so, he says to conduct themselves with wisdom towards outsiders making the most of the opportunity, meaning making the most of the opportunities in proclaiming and evangelizing that gospel of Christ. But this is done with wisdom. So we can see in those five references, Colossians 1, 9 through 10, Colossians 1, 28, Colossians 2, 1 through 3, Colossians 3, verse 16, and Colossians 4, 3 through 5, that Jesus Christ is just casually mentioned as the embodiment of God's wise teachings that Paul expects for his hearers and readers to adapt and apply into their own lives. So, in conclusion, we have observed that, number one, Colossians 1, 15-20, which is a major hymn about Christ, describes him in light of former portrayals of Lady Wisdom on eight distinguishable points. In doing so, it argues that Lady Wisdom, in her interaction with creation and redemption, can now be found in the crucified and risen Messiah Jesus, without suggesting that Jesus Christ preexisted his birth as Lady Wisdom. Point number two, we saw that throughout Colossians, Paul casually describes the proper behavior for followers of Christ as wise teachings and in accordance with God's wisdom. And number three, Colossians is clearly a major Christian document that portrays the risen Jesus in terms of wisdom Christology. If you have enjoyed the Biblical Unitarian Podcast and you would like to support the work that it is doing, be sure to check out this episode's description for a PayPal link. Thanks again so much for joining us today. Again, my name is Dustin Smith, and until next time, take care.